This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to season two of Welfare, the weekly running podcast with me, Amy Lane. For me, training smart means feeling confident enough to test your body, but strong enough not to wreck it in the process. That's why when I'm not running, you'll find me working on my core power and cardio fitness, often at F45. F45 targets all three, and I love every sweaty second, even if I do groan in class. Check out www.f45training.com forward slash welfare to find out more about how you can get involved. Thanks, F45. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to Welfare with me, Amy Lane, fitness expert, runner, and now author of I Can Run. Yes, I've written my first running book that's coming out this March. You can head over to Amazon now to find out more about it. Today is the first show of 2020 on the podcast, and boy, is it a good one for anyone setting out on a new running journey. But before we get into the meat of it, let's quickly revisit last week's show in case it landed while you were in your PJs in a lint chocolate goma. I headed into the studio to talk about being fit and fertile with the insightful Anita Mitra. We spoke about why missing periods can be a red flag for health problems, but also why you don't necessarily have to give up running to return to your regular cycles. It's jam-packed with loads of vagina chat, so do go back and listen to the show if you haven't had a chance yet. Now on to today's agenda. In the past five years, boutique fitness has grown at breakneck speed, with boutique gyms going from strength to strength. But is there a place in a runner's week to take a hit class or slip in a cheeky spin class? Today I discuss this and how to cross-train with Nico Algieri, personal trainer and co-founder of We Are Equilibrium. At the end of the show, you've got the brilliant Will Wheeler from Level 6 Yoga in Peckham. When not teaching yoga, you'll find Will pushing his body to the limits in super taxing workouts. It's why he's a great resource for stretching out running stressed bodies. Right, let's get on with this week's show. First up, it's the news you can use. Whether you're a new 2020 runner or a seasoned pro, this news is for every woman out there lacing up in the new decade. New research by Runners World found that 84% of women surveyed have been harassed while running. This includes physical actions, car honks, catcalling, being followed or flashed and comments from others on the street. This is not okay. And while the Me Too movement has highlighted issues around sexual harassment and assault, there's still a long road ahead before it ends. It's why Runners World has built the Runners Alliance Toolkit. It's essentially a resource section on their US website. Here you'll find advice on how to turn your phone into a self-defence tool, be able to read stories from others and get actionable tips on how to shut down harassment. If you've ever been on high alert, expending as much mental energy as you have physical whilst on a run, then head there now. Honestly, I'm so for this resource and for making the world a safer place for runners. 
And talking about runners, it's now time for the shout out of the week. This week, I want to do a really big shout out to Lizzie Frisbee, who's training for the Cambridge Half Marathon. Lizzie posted a photo of a 10k with her dad on Instagram and it had the caption about how running has transformed her relationship with exercise. She's gone from seeing running as a way to lose weight to an activity to gain mental and physical strength. She says she now runs to feel good, not just look good. As we head into the new year, I think it's a message we could all do with pinning up on our fridge. Follow Lizzie's training journey at Run Frisbee Run and give her a like. Go on, guys. Today I'm in the studio with Nico Algieri, personal trainer and co-founder of Equilibrium. Nico has worked with many celebrity clients such as Ellie Golden and Rita Ora, but perhaps what's more powerful than that is the thousands of women that he's helped along the way get fit and strong using minimal kit. Let's welcome Nico. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming in. I know you have a very busy life. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Nico, what's the background to Equilibrium? Because obviously you launched into a London market which was already very crowded in that kind of boutique fitness space. So why did you launch Equilibrium? So it starts from uh, a long, long time ago, our fitness family, basically. So to go through it quickly, my father was Mr. Wales 30 years ago and four years ago. And four years ago, he came second in the world. So that's in bodybuilding. Then he was a fourth down black belt in karate 30 years ago. My stepfather, which is Jay's father, he was world kickboxing champion at four different affiliations. And to this day, coaches, amateur boxers. And then he runs a boxing gym for underprivileged uh, children, children with behavioral problems. Um, he just He's just won a lifetime achievement award for services to support in the area in Pembrokeshire, West Wales, where I'm from. And then my mother... Five days a week is superhuman, teaches Tabata, Taibo, keep fit five nights a week. She's ripped. She's 59. She's phenomenal. So it was always in the blood. So roll on. I'm 38 now. Roll on uh, maybe 26 years. I'm in London. I'm working in media. I change my career because someone asks me to do a PowerPoint presentation in my media company. And I go, I'm going to blow my brains out if someone says that to me again. And I hand my resignation in on the spot not knowing what's going to happen. But it started me off on this amazing roller coaster of a journey. Now, really quickly, my father was selling supplements uh, to companies around UK. And one of these companies uh, 10 years ago gave him a little bag. And he goes, do you want this, Nico? And I was like, what is it? He goes, oh, it's like a Trax or a Trix or a, a T-Rex. And I was like, no, completely closed-minded. I just did bodybuilding. But I was learning performer Pilates at the time. And I was getting very good at it because I'd come from a bodybuilding background with no legs and no core, which, to be honest, hasn't changed. And uh, I didn't know anything about cueing people. So Reformer Pilates was crafting my skills in that area. And then my father gives me this TRX, and I dismiss it immediately because I'm closed-minded, which I spent most of my career, actually. and It opened my mind as I got older. And uh, I Googled it, and there was these two guys, Randy Hetrick and Fraser Quells, hanging off a, a lamppost in San Francisco doing these moves. And I was like, that's me. I found my thing. I know that I can reply all my knowledge and my reformer Pilates experience to this TRX. And 10 years ago, no one was doing it. And it became my thing. And then again, say roll on again, roll on seven years. My brother comes up, or sorry, five years, because my brother's been here seven now. And he goes the same route, reformer Pilates, TRX, but then he brings the CrossFit element in. And then I do a CrossFit level one course with him. It's the best course I've ever done. Phenomenal. And... We combine this and we pick out our five elements of fitness, which are strength, speed, endurance, flexibility, with a proviso that if you get all those four 
conquered, mind is your fifth element. You become confident and happy and knowledgeable about training. So we start equilibrium and it just goes from strength to strength. And then we open up a, a massive studio in King's Cross this year, five and a half thousand square foot, closing the first one to concentrate on it. And we had a uh, bad business relationship. Let's just leave it there. And me and Jay have walked away. So now we have no studio, but we have retained the Equilibrium brand. So we're looking for a new studio. So we will be back. You will be back. So keep your, <laughs> keep your eyes peeled. Yes. What What is cross training? Because I think there is this kind of misconception out there that perhaps it is going on a cross trainer. Yes, exactly. So classically, people's brains, once you say cross and training together, will go to the elliptical, the actual cross trainer when, of course, the dash in the middle of cross and training is cross-discipline training. So it's using all types of training, any type of movement, training, running, swimming, meditating. It is all training. It doesn't matter how you're training your body. That is a type of cross-training. So at equilibrium, we use all different types because the meaning of equilibrium is the balance of opposing forces. So when we balanced all our fitness elements. So Again, our clients were as equally strong as they were fast, as they were flexible, as they were durable. So their bodies, if I sent them to another boutique class, say an F45, where you're doing all manner of functional fitness, our clients would quite comfortably walk into that studio and be able to do everything very astutely and understand exactly what movement, hinge, squat, push, pull, plank, rotate, they can do everything. So that was the whole ethos of equilibrium. So yes, Cross-training is a fabulous way of training because your body is prepped for anything. And why does it lend itself so well to runners? Because I think a lot of runners only come across the term cross-training once they've got injured. Yes, exactly. So well, most runners will go for just specificity. So they'll just run to run. And that's great training for running. Of course it is because it improves all the different elements that you need. However, your body has different movement patterns, different muscles that need support at different times. So cross-training lends itself so well to running because it strengthens the areas that are going to take the most damage and most impact while you're running. So if you're thinking about it, when your foot strikes the floor, that's reverberating up through your calf, it's going up through your tib and fib into your knee, it's shocking your um, IT band, your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes will take a lot of impact as your femur drives up into your hip. So you have to create support to strike that leg onto the floor multiple times over a half marathon or a marathon. So you imagine all the Im impact continuously going throughout that body. Uh, Cross-training can only assist in what you're doing. And in your other studio, your previous studio, um, you paired the TRX with the treadmills, didn't you? Yes. Was that essentially a cross-training class? Yeah, well, of course it is. So we were that, we were trying to mark all those elements of fitness, like, like mould them together in a perfect concept class because... <sighs> I'm going to go into boutique class this year. I don't always have faith in a lot of them because they're phenomenal businesses and brands and they create like cult followings, which I think is fantastic because people need something to belong to because it helps with people's confidence and mental health to be part of communities. However, these massive boutique classes that are huge money spinners, they don't look after people. So me and you'll be fine, Amy, because we know exactly what we're doing. Like if someone says do a squat, I'm there. I know exactly what I'm doing. I've been doing it for my whole life. But someone who's petrified... If they come into an equilibrium class, that's my girl right there. I will look after her until she walks in, until she walks out. So it was a rotational element with a rip trainer. The TRX was all strength and muscular endurance and balance and building core strength. And then the skill mill, which if none of you runners have tried it, get on the skill mill because that is the best form 
for that is the best form of training in running indoors for me, in my opinion. It's a self-powered, curved or arced running machine. So as your foot strikes that that skill mill, the only way it moves is if you pull it with your calves, your hamstrings and your glutes, which is what you should be running with, not trying to stop yourself falling forward with your quads. So that's what we wanted for our clients. And it's, uh, it was a fabulous, fabulous concept. It's still there, but it's not mine at the moment. <laughs> <clears throat> well, let's just talk about the TRX then. Of course. So um, you've mentioned the TRX quite a few times, yeah. and I am very up to speed on the TRX. But for anyone who's listening in who perhaps hasn't used a TRX before or doesn't have a gym with a TRX, can you just give us a little beginner's intro into yeah, what it is? And, of course. And obviously you've said that it trains in all planes of motion, but what that actually means. Yeah, of course. So TRX means total resistance exercise, and I suppose... X just sounds cooler than an E, doesn't it? <laughs> TRX. So the TRX is that thing you see hanging down from either a wall or uh, preferably a ceiling in a studio. And it's, it's that black and yellow strap and it's got handles and arches and it looks like, what the hell would I do on that thing? And usually that's what happens. If you see people walk up to it in a gym, they do a row, a squat, and then they go, I'm out. I don't know what this is. Now, what TRX allows you to do is use your body weight to train resistance training with ultimate core engagement, total core engagement throughout every movement. So it doesn't matter if you're trying to do a bicep curl, because you're stood up, your legs are locked, your glutes are strong, and your core is engaged. So you're constantly engaged whilst using your biceps. So it's far superior to sitting on a bench and doing a dumbbell curl. Now, saying that, you can't go as heavy as saying picking up a 40 kilo dumbbell. So your biceps will, of course, get bigger and stronger with a uh, isolated bicep curl on a bench. But your whole body is getting fitter and stronger with the TRX. So when Amy says about moving in different planes of motion, that means you can go frontal, sagittal, or transverse. So you can rotate, move forward, move backwards, or move laterally. Now you can do lunges, push-ups, rows, Y raises for shoulders. You can do pikes, tucks. If you don't know what that is, that's with your feet and the straps behind you suspended in a plank. It's just the most versatile, dynamic phenomenal functional training tool that I've found, which is why I've focused my whole career around it and hopefully why we've become one of the best in the world at delivering those classes. You mentioned moving in all directions. I know that when I first started out as a runner, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, and then I had a great trainer who put that into my mind and he was like, no, you need to be able to move left and right because actually you're going to dodge people in races. Exactly. You're, you're going to dodge a small dog in a park. Yeah. And you, you, exactly, you don't know what life is going to throw at you. Like you, you mentioned all those different things. And there's also, there's changes in, uh, what's the right word that I'm trying to find? Well, let's just say height, but it's not the right, you'll get the right word for me in a second. So say if you jump down off a curb, so you're changing, your, you're going to dash down harder. So you've got to train different planes of motion, awkward motions, because say if you go to the airport and suddenly you're like, oh, I've just forgotten my suitcase and you twist and turn and bend and pick up. If you haven't trained for that movement, but you're, oh, I'm very strong at deadlift, I can do a 100 kilo deadlift, but you're just moving in a, a sagittal plane, which is front and back, lifting your bum and hinging forward and standing back up. You're not trained for that twist and bend. So you're going to get caught out. So like your great trainer said, train at different angles and your body's going to be ready for all different things. And especially as a runner, you've got to adapt fast. Like you mm -hmm. said, other runners, changes in height and velocity and speed. There's all different manner of things that are going to catch your tiny little hip flexors out, little twists in the glutes, your little small, uh, your erector spinae or your QL in your back. If you don't get those right positions and your core isn't strong, one of them is going to go and leave you halfway through the race what and the then heck? you're going to be struggling. 
What the heck is the QL in my back? Quadratus lumborum, I think, is the right Ooh. is the right term. And if I've got that wrong to all the trainers with level four strength and condition out there, I do apologise. It's just you call it QL for so long, you actually forget to say the actual word. Uh, they're the strong muscles running down through the centre of your lower back. So you need them as support. That's part of your core. And while I'm going on a massive rant, for me, core is also your hip flexors. It's going halfway down your upper thigh. So people will say core is... It's your abs, your TVA, which is your transverse abdominus underneath the layer of abs, and your lower back. But what they will miss out is the pelvic floor. They'll also miss out the glutes, and they won't mention the psoas, which runs into the hip flexor under the top of the leg. That is all part of it, because think about it. When you do effectively what is a crunch or a visa, you're using your legs as much as your core to try and bring that position up. Hopefully the Wellfire listeners have listened to the episode, which is on core strength for running with Shona Virtue, and she spoke about the same yeah, thing. Shona, total expert on that, exactly. Total expert. Earlier on, you mentioned about resistance training and that being really useful to runners. Yep. How does resistance training vary compared to strength training or weight training, say? It's the same sort of thing. So resistance training is basically any resistance resisting the movement that you are doing. So even if you're just doing body weight, you don't have weights or cables or a TRX or a kettlebell in your hand, you can still be resistance training with your body weight. Now that's a repetitive move, say squats, lunges, push-ups, a pull motion, a push movement above your head, a rotation against a cable or holding a ball. That is all resistance training. Now why it's so key for runners, if you just train running continuously, great. You will have strong a strong heart, strong lung capacity. You will have good muscular endurance for a certain amount of time. However, if you don't train the supporting muscles like we were talking about earlier, so your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, your calves, if your core is not strong enough to hold you upright, if your shoulders mechanically are not pulled into the right position, you're constantly tipping forward, it's all going to affect your running. So resistance training I will come to the differences now, is important for the runners just to give you that strength of structure to run and keep you running with a correct running gait, mm. perfect mechanics all the way through. We'll come to mobility as well. So strength training is, strength training, just, just say it basically in layman's terms, strength training is making you strong. So you can pick heavy things up and do strong movements. So classically, if you're uh, a personal trainer, you will describe it between three to six reps with a certain percentage within your one rep max. It can be one rep, it can be five reps. And it's basically screaming to pick this weight up or push this weight with a two to three minute rest. It's boring, but it is great to improve your strength. Now, weight training can be anything from just hypertrophy or just toning. So then you're talking eight plus reps, building muscle, and then anything sort of 12 plus becomes muscular endurance and toning phase, which is a classic personal trainer's answer. Yeah, so they're kind of all this. They are all forms of resistance training, but there's different capacities, different loads, different intensities, different speeds. I think that's it. No, I, I think you covered it all there. Sometimes I do go on. <laughs> One of the things that I think is still present in a lot of women's minds is this anxiety that if you do resistance training or strength training, is that you will build bulky muscle. And if you are a runner, that might slow you down or it might change your body shape. You have to eat a phenomenal amount of food. You have to lift extremely, extremely heavy to bulk up as a woman. It can be done, but it's very, very difficult. So I wouldn't worry about that at all. 
However, when it comes to, now if you're specifically thinking about marathon training and half marathon training, you obviously don't want to pack on too much muscle. Mm. You don't want to focus on hypertrophy training. However, strong glutes, strong quads, strong hammy, strong calves, strong core, fantastic. But you don't want to be going massively into your hypertrophy training because it, it will affect your running. You need to do it as much as it can, you can to support you and avoid injury. Look at Anthony Joshua. Well, exactly. Yep. So for everyone listening in who is a runner and they have potentially signed up for a race, be it half marathon or yep. a marathon, and they're like, actually, I now know I need to do gym work as part of my cross training. Do you have a kind of a guideline on how often they should be going in? Or is it so individual you can't do that? So I would say the guideline would be to try and get two minimum. Three would be lovely, but it depends on the... Uh, rigorous amount of activity you're putting into the running and what sort of thing you're training for. So if your running's taken up four or five sessions a week, two would be great. One, you've got to get one resistance training in. You've got to be able to activate your glutes. There's got to be loads of glute activation. That's a big buzz sentence these days. You've got to activate the glutes. You've got to get the hip flexors firing. But then you don't have to be doing resistance training. You could focus on things like mobility because running destroys your mobility. It's fantastic for your cardiovascular endurance, your VO2 max and things like that. And of course, running. What I always try to do is think of yourself as nine different petrol tanks. So nine different elements of fitness. So say you've got strength, speed, endurance, coordination, balance, blah, 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 all the things. So you need mostly endurance and cardiovascular capacity for running. That's the petrol tank you need fullest. So if you work on that the most, that petrol tank is full. But then while you're working on that, your strength... And your and your flexibility are starting to drop because you're not focusing. Because you're not topping them up. Exactly. Not going to the gas station. Exactly. So you're not balancing your your elements of fitness out, right? So think about it as a runner, the cardiovascular capacity, capacity and muscular endurance are absolutely key. So they need to be full. You need to be working out all the time. But you can't let those other ones go zero because you're not a, a well-rounded fit athlete. So you're not supporting your body in other areas that are going to help that running improve. So. Two times a week, three times a week, a little bit of glute activation, mobility, a little bit of uh, stretching the muscles as well, because mobility is range of motion at the joints as well. So there's a little different type of things you can work on. So the, the short answer is two. Let's talk about then these other elements of cross training which benefit running. So you've just um, you've just previewed mobility. Yes. So now mobility and flexibility. Let's loop them into one big thing now. But mobility is classically more range of motion around the joint so if you think about being able to move your arm in a full backstroke motion a lot of people to lift both their hands over their head it's difficult so you think about if you're doing running continuously and you don't stretch you are really only trained your body is only really moving at the capacity of that running motion you're not doing long strides doing long running unless you're a sprinter that's when you do long strides so if you just run You'll only ever be flexible at that range of motion. That's all you can really go to as a capacity, as as the human that you've trained yourself as. So again, if you do, oh, my daughter's just run off and you reach for your daughter at a stretching motion, you're going to pull a hammy, but you're a super fit runner. It's like, how have I done that? Mm. Because you're not flexible enough at different ranges of motion at different directions and different planes of motion. So on that cross-training, an element would be yoga, Pilates or just mobility at home, like sticking on a, you mentioned it before, Shona Vidji, sticking on a YouTube video of that and just doing a little five minute yoga sequence and just getting your muscles to stretch and be a little bit more flexible and reactive to different planes of motion. 
And do you think, like you say, just sticking on a five-minute YouTube, is that daily, weekly, what? I mean, daily would be amazing. Oh. But if you're going to do it three times a week, five minutes is not enough. You've got to really focus on opening up the joints, opening up those muscles, sitting in those positions. And, and another um, recommendation of that would be, as a runner, in fact, everybody, dynamic stretching much better. Train your muscle to move under a tiny bit of resistance, which is yourself a body weight. You can use it with weights as well, but dynamic means not staying static in your stretch because the static stretch it does work, but it doesn't keep that muscle stretched at that position for a long enough time. You're kind of cooling your muscle down. It's not warm when you're doing it, so dynamic stretching would be ideal. Let's try that three times a week, 20 minutes minimum. Before or after a run or at different times? Different times. You can take it away from it. It's not essential. You don't have to do it at the same time. And can you bank all that up and do it in a one-week yoga class, or is that still not enough? It's like you need to be doing no, stuff you've regularly. No, you've got to make it habitual, aim. So, like, you have to make your... Yeah, I know, huff. I'm the same. Someone says, pigeon stretch me. I'm like, I'm out. I've got to go. My, mate, my mate's ringing me. I'm just going to... Yeah, bye. So, yeah, I would make it habitual. Try to get that three times a week, and you look, I have to do my three times a week at 20 minutes, and it's only going to assist my running, because I'm not going to get injured. What about the people that say they hate yoga? So I hate yoga. Well, I'm from a family of yogis. My nan's a yoga teacher. Oh, I mean, my... I love yoga. Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> no, my mum's a yoga teacher. I love yoga. My sister vehemently hates yoga. Like, you have to pay her to go to my mum's yoga class. There's the thing about this, Emma, actually, and um, I don't know if, if, if there are other men listening or I don't know if other, other women might feel this way. The reason I hate yoga, it's actually kind of a cop-out by me because... I'm a PT, I'm strong, or I, I look strong, and I look like I'm super fit. However, that's an element of my fitness which is weak to me. So my mobility and flexibility is my weakest element of fitness, and it exposes me. So if I go to a yoga class, that yoga person's going to see that. It's like, oh, Mr. Nicole Jew, he's just coming in, he can't even touch his toes. I can, by the way. However, there are positions in yoga where I feel like I'm going to die. So I avoid it. So then I try to do mobility myself. Have you ever used Romwad? So for everyone listening in, Romwad is a program which you can use every day and it basically works on your mobility and range of motion. Yeah. And some of the poses you're actually recognised from yoga yeah. and some of them feel a bit Pilates based, but there is no music. It's just guidance. Yeah. Um, and it comes from the CrossFit world, I yeah, believe. Exactly. And they, I think they give you marks, don't they? Like... Um, mm. How, how mobile you are at different joints and it gives you weaknesses and tells you things to work on, which sounds great. But again, when you have an ego and someone tells you you're bad at something, it's not good. Now, going back to that, actually, saying I hate yoga, that doesn't mean yoga's bad. It's absolutely phenomenal for you. I just avoid it. Guys, maybe we'll get uh, maybe we'll get Nico to film himself doing this week's guided stretch and um, he can post that on I'll social media. That. I'll agree to that. Fantastic. Nico, so we've covered resistance, we've covered mobility. Yep. Is there, how about cross-training in the cardio world? So I know that obviously you can add in extra cardio to make yourself fitter as a runner. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? So when you're running, you are bashing your knees, your hips, your ankles to pieces. And it's a, it's a lot of steps over a long, long time. So your hips are taking a lot of damage. So it's high impact. Running is high impact no matter what people say. It is not low impact. It's, it's, you're smashing your foot into concrete, grass, whatever terrain it is, running up a mountain, it's high impact. Mm. So what you can do on those days where your body is absolutely feeling smashed to pieces, you can use other forms of cardiovascular um, activity as active recovery or active training. So you can do anything, swimming, cross-training. So that means the elliptical 
uh, you can do the stepper machine because, again, that's training your quads, your glutes. It's making you keep your core stable while your legs are moving underneath you. You can go on a spin bike, a watt bike, an assault bike, any sort of – you can even go lazy, get your mobile phone in your hand, get Netflix on and uh, sit on the recumbent bike, which is the laziest thing I've seen people do in my entire life. However, it is cardiovascular activity. Your heart rate still goes up. So you're still keeping your heart moving and training your lung capacity, training and keeping strong, but you're taking that impact away from you. Oh, also the Versa Climber. Fantastic. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. It's like a torture chamber. Mm. But yeah, so of course, I mean, all forms of training are fantastic as long as you are specific to running on most of the other days. So basically, you can put cardio cross training in your week. Absolutely. But you can't exchange it for something else. You can do it, but it's not going to be as beneficial. Fine. So would you say it's more beneficial for potentially newer runners starting out where where if they were going from zero mileage and they wanted to get up to running a 5k, mm. would it be beneficial to them who, so potentially they don't want to start increasing their running rapidly in the beginning, so they don't yep. want to get injured. Could they start by doing like a run a week and then getting on the bike for more cardio fitness? Yeah, absolutely. And it builds a bit of confidence as well. So I had a client um, 10 years ago, we'll call it A. I'm not going to give her a full name. She'll kill me. Um, and honestly, I took her out in the park and I swear on my mother's life, she ran 100 metres. <sighs> Can we stop? Can we stop? She, like, she hadn't run. So that, the, and also the confidence wasn't there. So she was starting to run and it was like, I'm running next to a really fit personal trainer. I'm out in the open. People can see me now. and I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I understand about <sighs> Gone. So we stopped and we walked. So if you're not a confident runner, go for a walk. If you want to try and build up your cardiovascular activity away from other people, get on a treadmill, get on an elliptical, build up your cardiovascular capacity, but also confidence that you can control your body while you are moving at a slightly higher pace and your heart rate is increasing, your breathing rate is increasing, and can you hold that confidence? So just build it up slowly and then go for a little jog and do it without people because the real truth of it is, is just get out on the road, go for a jog. See how far you can go. And if you start to struggle, start to walk. There's nothing wrong with that. You're still moving your heart. You're still training your heart to increase the heart rate. You're still breathing. You're still getting your legs to move in a similar pattern to running. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want to take a quick moment to do another shout out about F45, the partner of today's podcast. The only class I've ever regretted is the one I haven't done. After a pretty stressful week last week, I'll be putting some non-negotiable time in my diary to head to my local F45 studio in Peckham. I always leave sweaty, smiling and feeling mentally and physically stronger. Thank you, F45. I love that you just spoke about confidence. I think one of the big things is like gym intimidation. Yes. And just feeling like a bit of a tool when you walk into a gym because yep. you, you don't know where to go or what to use. Do you have any tips for pure runners like heading into a gym? How yeah. How they can find confidence? So if, if, if you're not confident in using a gym, there's a couple of different um, pieces of advice I would give you there. First of all, if you absolutely do not have a clue what you're doing and you're just going to go in there and move in incorrect chains and patterns and mechanics and you're going to hurt yourself, go and speak to a fitness trainer. And this is a real cheap way of doing it, right? So fitness instructors walking around the gyms are just looking to give you 
taster sessions. Now, I'm stitching up a lot of you fitness instructors out there, and I apologize, but you are free for that first hour, aren't you? So go and help ask them, look, and they do write free programs for you. That's what they're practicing to do is to become personal trainers. So approach a floor walker in a, a gym and just say, look, I, I'm clueless. I'm going to hurt myself. Can you help me? And that's their job. That's why we all got into this is to help people. So they will absolutely help you and they'll help you figure out how to squat properly. They should do. And they'll help you out to lunge, maybe bridge. They'll use, they'll teach you how to use resistance bands to activate your glutes and hip flexors before you start running. It's a great little introduction. And they'll, they can walk you off into a corner of a gym and keep you away from everyone if you're nervous and shy and not confident. Now, if you don't want to go and do it with a personal trainer and you don't want someone looking at you, what you can do is use the machines. So use the machines that keep you in regular movement patterns where you can't really hurt yourself. So I'm talking about the leg extension, the leg curl, uh, the push, uh, the leg press, little machines that will keep you in patterns where you're not going to go walking off and doing free weights, lifting dumbbells, lifting barbells. So sit on the machines. They're not ideal, but they will give you confidence and they will build muscle to make you stronger and, and more confident in your frame. That's really interesting because machines have got a bad rap. Machines are... They're a good they're a good addition to a superset, right? If you're if you're if you're trying to build a bit of muscle and you're doing like say dumbbell press on a bench, go on a superset and go straight on after and do the little uh weights machine because it's a nice little superset. But if you're a beginner, it trains you to how to use your chest. You understand that that's a pushing movement. If you're a runner and you're trying to train your quads to be a little bit more durable, you understand that that leg extension mimics the reach out of the leg as you pull back. So you extend the leg, the quad works, and you're like, oh, right, okay. So you start to learn yourself about how all the different muscles work and eventually be confident enough to come onto the freeways. I love that. Um, we've spoken now about uh, resistance training for runners. We've spoken yep. about mobility training, how to cross-train cardio. Is there anything else under the cross-training umbrella that runners should be doing within their week? Do you know what's a really good one? And uh, there's something that only highlighted to me. Um, it's just it's become a little bit more prevalent these days in, um, over the last couple of years is breathing, breath work. So there's a real great guy out there called Stuart Sanderman. Um, and he, I think, is at BreathPod or The BreathPod on Instagram. Amazing guy. Now, Again, going back to my closed-mindedness, even though I am now open-minded these days, when this very charismatic, good-looking guy comes into my studio and says, we're going to work on your breathing today, I'm like, I'm a Welsh guy. I'm like, you what, mate? <laughs> I know how to breathe. It's like, <sighs> I got it down, mate. I'm fine. He's like, And then th what this guy did was explain to me different patterns of breathing and how to really get more out of your breath. Because if you think about it, while you're... Uh, running for a marathon, it's all about cardiovascular capacity. So the ability to transport oxygen around your body and support your muscles while you're running, if you have more efficient breathing, that's only going to help you. So try and do a breath workshop. It's not essential, but it's only going to add to your game, which is what you runners are trying to do. You're always, it's always one-upmanship and trying to get you know a little bit more seconds off the clock. Although some of you aren't. If you're just running for your mental health and your confidence and just to get away from life for a 60 minutes, then just do it like that. And you don't really have to focus on breathwork, but that could be an addition. I think that's a good one. And I think that it does go for people, whether they're trying to chase times or chase the feel good, you know, the feel good element of running, because anything which makes the actual, like the actual um, activity of running easier yeah. can only be a good thing. For me, it was learning about how my, my rib alignment was yeah. affecting my running and making me an inefficient runner. Because so were you upright was, or hunched I was you up, were more upright. upright yeah 
Um, and as soon as I got that down, it's easier to breathe and I could run better. And your diaphragm can expand a little bit more, of course. Yeah. And so it just kind of, you know, it dialed down the pressure dial and it yeah. dials up the enjoyment because anything that makes something suck a little bit less makes it more fun. Exactly. And uh, so Amy's a, a far more experienced runner than me. So I, I can advise you on cross training and stuff. But with the running thing, I'm a beginner compared compared to Amy. So I'm like you guys. If you're listening and you're a beginner... Breathing patterns, for me, when I'm starting to struggle, I go two breaths, two, sorry, breath in for two steps, breath out for two steps. So it's just like, and then I can maintain and I stop panicking. That's my one tip as a beginner. Well, talking about tips, this is a good segue into the next <laughs> part of this, which is going to round off our chat. We're going to go into the quick fire cross training round. Yes. So I'm going to ask you questions you're going to give me your best answers. Nico, what are your top resistance exercises for runners? Give me five. Glute bridge, squat, lunge, plank, and shoulder mobility exercises. So anything pushing overhead. Okay. How about your top TRX exercises for runners? So I was the same, right? So there's a, there's a fantastic one called a sprinter start. There's also a uh, suspended glute bridge, the TRX pike, a TRX row and a TRX push-up. Now, these are all going to support... Those two at the end are going to support your upper body while you're running and keep you upright or stop you doing what Amy was doing in hyperextending. And how about mobility? Five mobility exercises. Yeah. So you want to do a hip flexor stretch. That's where your foot is stepped forward and your one of your knees are back, so you're opening up the top of your hip flexor. You also want to do thoracic rotation, so that's an add-on to that hip flexor movement. So that's raising your one of your hands up to the sky and trying to over-rotate over the top of yourself. Then there's the classic pigeon stretch. Ooh. So stretching your glutes. Hammies are absolutely key. So any hamstring stretch that can be standing and touching your toes, there's loads of different, slightly more complicated movements, but stretching your hamstrings. And then, of course, your calves, but also focusing on your ankle mobility because your ankles will stiffen up over time while you're running. And what that means is if you put your foot flat on the floor and flex your knee forward, can you get your knee to bend over your toes? Now, my ankle flexibility is terrible and that affects my squat. So work on that calf Achilles tendon flexibility because the last, last thing you need is a snapped Achilles tendon while you're running because you won't be running. You'll be doing like a forward roll. <laughs> and how about best cardio machines for runners? I appreciate there might not be five. Cardio machines? Just any, but try the skill mill, please. Try the Techno Gym skill mill. It's absolutely amazing. By the way, I don't work for skill mill. I just absolutely, I think it's one of the best things that's been made in cardiovascular. So try a classic skill mill, uh, sorry, a, a normal treadmill, a skill mill. Then I would get on the stepper because, again, you're getting quad and glute engagement there. Cycling, because even though cycling is kind of that rotation movement, it is still kind of mimicking the knee drive and driving the heel towards the floor. So you're still getting that running pattern. Stay off the elliptical. I would even rather you sit on the recumbent bike. Final question for you. What's the one bit of advice that you'd love to share with runners for 2020? Don't eat highly processed foods because you're going to get sugar spikes. And by the time that run starts, you're going to blood sugar is going to hit the floor and you're going to feel weak. So keep the whole food, organic food, non-processed foods. Uh, arm yourself with the right fuel is the only thing we haven't mentioned today. Cool. Oh, and hydrate. <laughs> and hydrate, guys. That comes into nutrition, so I can scoop that into one. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Yes. Thank you so much for coming Thank in. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. For everyone who loves the sound of your lovely Welsh voice... <laughs> 
<laughs> the dulcet tones. The dulcet tones of your Welsh voice. Where can they put a, a picture to this voice? Where's the best place to find you? So go on my Instagram channel, which is at Nico Algieri. But you can also find us on at We Are Equilibrium. Now that's my fitness studio and brand. And even though we don't have a studio at the moment, you can find news and uh, tips on exercises and exercise videos to follow there. Great. Thanks so much, Nico. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. My name is Will Wheeler, and I'm going to be guiding you through your well-chill cool-down stretch today. Firstly, congratulations on your run. I hope you had a great time. I'm going to give you some great postures and exercises today to help bring the shoulders back and start to promote a little bit more length in the spine and a good posture that you can follow up post-run. We're going to start by taking the arms up and overhead. Three deep breaths. Just breathe it all in and start to regulate your heart rate. Slow down your out-breath. One more breath. Try to lift the hands a little higher so you stretch through your armpits, the back of the chest and the ribcage. Exhale out, relax the arms along the side of the body and just stand still. If you feel like you can balance, bring the feet together to touch or separate the soles of the feet a little wider. Three breaths, feel free to close the eyes. This is a class that can be done outdoors if you've got some space or maybe indoors you could roll out the yoga mat. Take one more breath in a neutral position. Try to avoid leaning forwards or back. Find your centre. Next, we've got a great stretch for the IT band. Place your hands onto your hips. Take your right foot and place it outside of your left foot. So your two feet are side by side, but they're the wrong way around. So you want to have your right foot outside of your left foot and the blades of the feet kind of touching. Take a deep breath in, look forwards. Exhale, forward fold, place the hands onto the floor. Or if you don't, uh, if you're not able to reach the floor, that's no problem. You can use some bricks or any um, maybe coffee table, something in front of you that you could rest your hands on. And then we're going to encourage a deeper stretch for the forward fold by lifting the hips up. So give your hips and your back some energy to lift it a little higher. And then exhale, forward fold as you start to bring your nose near your knee. We're feeling the stretch hopefully down the outside of the legs. You might also get it in your groin, in your hips, in the glutes. If you're able to fully release your hands, maybe bring TP fingertips down to the floor so you've tented up your fingers. And if there's lots of space, then maybe lower the palms so they can come completely flat. If you need to, there could be a micro bend in the knee, a small bend. We're ideally looking for two long legs, so as we breathe the next three or four rounds of breath, try to lengthen your legs. Remember, your feet are still side by side. Your right foot is outside of your left foot. Squeeze the thighs towards each other, as if there's a zip between your legs that you can zip up. Fold deeper into the stretch for the last breath. Inhale, slowly release the legs, come back up to stand and raise the arms up and overhead just like you did at the start. Big breath, arms up, huge breath in and then exhale, relax the arms along the side of the body. This one's called mountain pose. Soles of the feet are on the floor, feet are parallel, shoulders slightly back, the rib cage can tuck under. 
Inhale, place the hands quietly onto the hips. This time, we're going to do the same stretch, but we're going to put the left foot in front and to the side of the right. Inhale, lengthen the back. Exhale, forward fold, and then place your hands maybe down onto a low chair, coffee table, or maybe onto books or on the ground. The start of the stretch can again feel quite strong. You may wish to bend your knees. And then as you progress and do the next two, three, four breaths, try to lengthen your legs. Pull up the muscles above the kneecaps. This promotes great support for your knees and it starts to strengthen the muscles above and below the kneecaps. So I think this one's a really good stretch for a post or a pre-run. Allow your breath to flow. One more deep breath. We're going to stay low. Bring your feet apart. So unlock the left foot from outside of the right foot. Forward fold. Catch a hold of opposite elbows. One option is to stay here and just hang out. Another option might be to gently sway over to the left, come through center, and then lightly sway over to the right. So you can take a little rock right and left. Make sure that you relax your head, maybe a light yes and a no movement with the head and the neck. This will start to unlock any muscles that you've been holding during the run in your neck, your throat. Sometimes we even start to hold the back teeth and the tongue in the mouth. So relax the tongue so it's not pressing to the roof of the mouth. Tongue is relaxed to the floor. These exercises can sound a little silly, but they're really good for allowing tension to become free and space to emerge in the body. Take a full breath in. Exhale, release the hands, release the elbows, and then roll up one vertebrae at a time. So you're uncurling and unfurling the spine until you're all the way up to stand. And when you do get up there, roll your shoulders back three times. Inhale, take a big squeeze, shoulders roll up, and exhale, shoulders roll down and into the back. Inhale, shoulders roll up, and exhale, shoulders roll down and back. One more breath. And then exhale, let the shoulders go. Bring the hands back behind you and interlace your fingers. So you're layering your fingers over one another as if to make a clasp or a fist. You want to be able to try to squeeze the heel of the hands together here and make a strong grip, a strong fist position. Then forward fold, release your head down towards your legs. Bring your nose near your knees, near your shins. And of course, do feel free to bend the knees if it feels a bit tricky, a bit stiff in the backs of the legs. Stay here with this interlace for two more breaths. Slowly, try not to ping the hands, you've been there a while. Unlock the hands gently and then place them down onto the floor. The hands are going to come flat and we're going to walk into a plank pose. Step your feet backwards if you're on the yoga mat. Your feet are coming towards the back of the yoga mat and we're in a high plank. We're pushing the ground away. Press, press, press firmly through the hands and drive the heels back a little bit. Option, you can stay in your plank or you could lower the knees to the floor. Maybe lift into a downward dog. Keeping plank position, try to raise the hips up and make a triangle. 
You might want to bring the feet forward slightly here so that your stretch can feel good in the lower back for downward facing dog. So you should look like a triangle from the side. Release your head again and remember those notes from earlier about unlocking the jaw, the teeth, the back of the head and the neck. Let your head go really heavy in downward dog so that the spine can fully elongate. Breathe in and look forwards between your hands from either plank or downward dog. Step your right foot all the way up by your right hand. And of course, if it doesn't reach, you could just bring the hand to meet the right ankle or right foot and shimmy it forwards a little bit until your right foot is very close to your right hand. You can place both hands now inside of your right foot. The left leg is far down the back of the mat. The right foot is forwards with the foot open slightly to the side. This basically means the right big toe and baby toe points over to the corner. And then place the hands onto the floor. Maybe even lower the forearms down if there's space. There might not be yet, but maybe in two or three breaths time or after a few more stretches like this, you might be able to lower your forearms down. Three breaths, lizard pose. Press down your hands firmly. If you're on forearms, come back onto your hands. Lift into downward facing dog. Inhale, lift your right leg up into the air. Exhale, bring your right knee towards your right wrist. We're coming into a pose called pigeon. It's a great glute stretch, perfect for post run to work into the lower back and the glutes. Flex your right foot and bring your right foot forwards. When I do this stretch personally, I like to bring my left hand to meet my right foot and help the foot forwards a little bit so that it's not underneath the groin and underneath the hip, but actually a little further forwards. We're looking to line up the front shin with the front parallel line of the yoga mat. An option would be to stay up high on your fingertips or maybe come down onto the hands or even the forearms. If you find there's lots of space here, you might like to release the head and place the head onto the floor. Or if you've got a yoga block around or a couple of books, you could prop your head up on a book or two to give a little bit of height. So you're creating a platform. Sounds like there's a lot of fuss coming into this posture, but it's allowing there to be plenty of space for your hip. Breathe deeply three times. Inhale. Exhale one. Inhale. Exhale two. Inhale and exhale three. Let's walk it back into downward facing dog. We've done quite a lot on the right side. So notice how the right and the left leg perhaps feel a little different. Maybe they feel very similar. There's no right or wrong answers here. Downward facing dog. Step your left foot forwards between your hands. We're taking it to lizard pose. Open the left foot to the side slightly, even the left knee is drawing to the side, big toe and baby toe point to the corner of the yoga mat. Exhale, place both hands inside of your front foot and then slowly lower the hands down to the ground, maybe lower the forearms and elbows to come down as well. There's two options with the back leg, you could have the back knee down or you could keep it a little stronger and raise the back knee off the floor so it feels like your back leg is in a lunge. Your front leg, hip and thigh is in a hip opener. Two more breaths in lizard. Try to relax the neck. 
Slowly press the hands down. If you're on forearms, come back up. Hands flat and then extend your body into downward facing dog. Lift the hips high. Exhale, stretch. Inhale, slowly bring left knee to meet the left wrist. Let it tap and then use the right hand to bring your left foot forward slightly towards the top of the yoga mat. Maybe stay here, raising a platform on your hands, books under the hands if needed. Or start to walk the hands forwards and then lower the forearms in front of you. Just a reminder that the elbows are in front of your front leg. One more deep breath in this pigeon stretch. Flex your front foot for the last breath. You'll definitely feel it in your glute. Slowly, when you're ready, press the hands flat and step into downward facing dog. You might like here to just press the heels down, pedal through the feet, lifting one heel a little higher than the other and then change over so you're getting downward dog and into the calves and working the hamstrings and the calves at the same time. Lower your knees down to the floor. Take a child's pose. Stretch your hands out in front of you. Exhale, sit the bum towards the heels. Don't worry if the bum doesn't meet the heels. You're trying to get your hips low and your arms far forwards. Active child's pose. Walk the hands a little further forwards. Maybe raise up onto fingertips so that the hands lift but the fingertips press down. You'll work here your lats and your shoulders, reminding the upper body to move back slightly away from the rounding posture that sometimes we do when we run. Slowly, find your way back and up into a seated position. We're going to close with a very short meditation. I'll guide you through a breath exercise. Inhale, breathing in for a count of four. Exhale, breathe out for a count of four. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale slowly. Keep breathing but just take a moment to scan the body head to toe. You've completed your run. You've allowed yourself this chill and yoga stretch. See how you feel. Notice if there's any areas of tension that you could let go of. Take a deep breath in and open your mouth. Breathe out. Let a sigh come out through the mouth. Slowly release onto your back. We're going to close with Shavasana, a resting posture on the back. If you would like to make it more comfortable, add on any layers or anything else into the stretch, into the relaxation, feel free. But when you're ready, come down onto your back, part the hands a little wider, so hands off the body, palms facing up to lightly roll the shoulders back. Separate the feet and breathe.
Remember, you can access this pose at any time and come back to rest, unwind and relax. When you feel ready to, bring the knees into the chest, take a deep breath. Exhale out one more time through your mouth, sighing out. And then slowly find your way up to seated. Tuck your chin to your chest for your last little neck stretch. And breathe out. Thank you so much for participating in this World Chill stretch today. My name is Will Wheeler. I'm a yoga teacher based in London and I run retreats around the world. You can find out more about my work in yoga and wellness by heading to my website willwheelayoga.com. Thank you for joining me. Don't forget, team, there are 28 episodes of Welfare on here. So if you haven't worked your way through the whole of season one and two, do go back and listen to the shows. There's hours of free training tips and advice waiting for you. If you like this episode, please do rate, review and subscribe. It really helps other runners in need of some help find the show and join our community too. Don't forget to use hashtag Welfare on all your IG posts because I love seeing them. Thanks very much, guys. Before I go, I just want to say a final shout out to F45 for supporting my mission of helping you guys get well fit so you can run well far. I genuinely couldn't have done this season without them. Head to f45training.com forward slash well to join a global fitness community like no other.